Good morning and welcome. Happy Mother's Day to you moms and you moms-to-be. I was uh, pondering that this morning and uh, the Lord reminded me of a scripture where it says, He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. And, and we see that miracle take place uh, in the scripture oftentimes. And we've seen that take place. We, we've uh, we've uh, had ladies come forward and say, uh, well, we can't have children. And uh, we, we pray for them. And uh, there's a couple in the church right now. We prayed for them, and they got three kids. Uh, one time we were praying for a family, and God so wonderfully blessed. They said, Are you, will you stop praying, please? We don't <laughs> want any more kids. I think they had like six of them. And... Uh, so their, their quiver was quite full. Uh, we're we're going to look, uh, um, take a little detour from our uh, Revelation study. I'm going to uh, <clears throat> uh, share regarding a message, a theme of this particular day, uh, that is motherhood. So we're in Matthew 15, uh, verses 21 through 28. And what we have here, uh, as you turn, a wonderful story uh, just about the, the faith of a woman, but yet the love of a mother. We've heard it oftentimes said that man's extremities are God's opportunities. And, uh, and you know, it's often when we're in our desperation um, that, uh, you know, that, that we go to the Lord and we cry out to him. And, uh, and he wonderfully saves the day, but even more importantly than that, he saves a life. And we see that being played out here uh, in this particular story. So we're in Matthew uh, 15, 21 uh, through 28. I'll read it, and then let's have a word of prayer. Uh, then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him. And she was saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And then Jesus answered and he said to her, Woman, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. And Lord, we praise you. We praise you, Lord, for stories like this because you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you that you're a gracious God. And Lord, many have come to you and cried out in their hour of need. And Lord, you have wonderfully, Lord, met that need. You've, you've responded. We thank you that you're a God who hears prayer. We thank you that you're a God who is, because of the cross, given us access and Lord, what great privilege, how you've blessed us. 
Lord, to realize that we have access to the King of Kings, to the Almighty, to the throne of God. And Lord, we, we come this morning on the basis of the cross. We thank you, Lord, that you paid that emission. Lord, you paid the price, the bride price. Lord, you've, you've purchased us. And now, Lord, you have wonderfully given us such incredible privilege. You've honored us so that we have access, we can come, Lord, right to the throne of grace. Lord, to, to obtain mercy and to find grace in time of need. And Lord, it seems so often for us that we're such a needy people. And Lord, um, this morning as well, we, we draw near to you. And we thank you. We thank you so much for godly motherhood. Thank you, Lord, for the sacrifices that many a mother has made. Lord, the contribution of, of her life, pouring her life, Lord, into the lives of others. Lord, uh, what a Christ-like thing. And Lord, I pray that you would bless these mothers that are here and every godly mother. We, we thank you, Lord, Lord, for their love, for their contribution, Lord, for their commitment and, Lord, for the sacrifice, Lord, uh, of their lives on behalf of, Lord, their children. And sometimes even, Lord, uh, taking on other children. Lord, what an example of the love of Christ, Lord, at work within our families. And, Lord, we thank you for that. We know it comes right from your heart. Because, Lord, that's your design. Lord, we pray, Father, for our country today. Lord, the American family has been torn apart. It's been devastated, Lord. And Lord, we look to you. You're, you're the one. You're the great repairer. Lord, you're the great restorer. Lord, you're the one and the only one that can fix the broken things, Lord, of life. And we look to you today. Lord, take our broken things. And for those that, Lord, are, are hearing this word today, that, Lord, you're the great healer. And, Lord, we, we call upon you that you would wonderfully work, Lord. And, Father, we commit all these things to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, we entitled our message this morning, the, the Faith and Love of a Mother. And what we have here is a story, basically, of a very desperate mother coming to Jesus on behalf of her daughter, who is really beyond the help of any individual, any man. I think oftentimes in life we find that same kind of story, don't we? You know, we go to the doctors, and not that we shouldn't go to doctors. Uh, sometimes we, you know, we go to the psychological services and those sorts of things. And yet we find so often so many lives uh, being torn apart today because in, in many respects they're beyond the help of man. And it's only really as we look to the Lord, and particularly in this day of suicide and heroin uh, overdoses and opioid overdoses and addictions and all those sorts of things that we realize as we turn to the Lord, he is the one. As he intervenes in our life, as we cry out in our place of desperation, in our place of need. And I think many of us uh, should be encouraged by this story because what we find here is, a, is a, a loving woman and mother crying out on behalf of her daughter. Uh, much like in a sense that we are given this great uh, honor and privilege of intercession to cry out on the behalf of others. Um, as we see maybe their life just sort of, you know, coming apart 
um, and, and heading for you know, very, uh, you know, a very uncertain future, that we can intervene in a sense as we intercede in prayer and much like this woman asked the Lord to work. Well, we get no background here. We get no history. Um, you know, and sometimes that's the case here. And a lot of times uh, when it comes to psychological things, we put, you know, a tremendous amount of, uh, of, of, of emphasis on those sorts of things. But I think, the, the, I think the greater point that we see here is that we simply, we just need to bring our messed up lives to Jesus because he's the one that can fix them. A lot of times when you, when you go back uncovering, you know, what the source was or what the choices were that brought us to this particular point, what does that do? Sometimes it just sort of loads us with more guilt. Uh, and it's really, you know, what it is is just coming to him because he has the power. You know, you can go back and look at all the choices and all the decisions that brought somebody to a certain kind of place. You can uncover every stone. But I'll tell you what, if you don't have power, nothing changes. And the Lord is the one who brings the power, you know, to bear upon our situation as we give it to him, you know, very simply in faith. And he's the one and the only one that can really sort out the difficulties of our lives and the lives of other people. <coughs> Pardon me. Now, in verse 1, uh, excuse me, 21 rather, we find that Jesus is leaving Israel and he's departing uh, to a region of, of Tyre and Sidon, uh, which is uh, a Gentile, Gentile territory. And this is, wasn't an uncommon thing for him to do this. We, didn't, we don't see him doing that very much. We see him actually doing that, you know, one other time. And uh, we find that happening over in John chapter 4. This would be Lebanon today. Uh, Mark's gospel tell us, tells us he was simply hiding himself for privacy's sake. But is it possible he had a secondary reason? I think he did. Uh, you know, it's like uh, when, he went, uh, when, he, when he met with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, uh, we're told at the beginning of that chapter, he must needs go through Samaria. Now, Samaria would have been a shortcut because he was going to Galilee. But I think that I think he had more in mind than a shortcut, didn't he? And of course, as we see that story unfold, not only at the, does the woman at the well, uh, you know, find transformation in her life, we find also too that there's a whole village there uh, that basically uh, gets the gospel message and responds to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that's the case here. Uh, yes, the Lord went to get some maybe some private time, but sometimes you know when you look at when I consider the woman at the well, when I consider this particular woman. I love the thing about the Lord is that he doesn't just look at a herd of people. He sees individuals. Don't you love that about him? He sees individuals. He sees, you know, the, the specific needs, you know, in our lives. He cares about the details, you know, of our lives as we pray about different things and so forth. And uh, we're told here in verse 22, Behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region. Now, uh, we're told here very simply two things. She was a woman, and we know that she was a Gentile, and of course, that is two strikes against her. Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, women are, were on a, on a much lower rung of the ladder in that culture, in that society. And then to be a Gentile, you know, that was a whole other problem. And if you remember when Jesus, on one of his very first, um, you know, uh, um, forays, you know, into the synagogues to preach the gospel there in Nazareth, I think it's in Luke chapter 4, we find out that uh, they say about him as he's preaching, oh, what gracious words that he had. But then a few verses later, he begins to tell them about Elijah being sent to the widow in Zarephath. He was not sent to any of the, any of the widows there in Israel. And just a mention of that, 
there was just a rage, a, just a sort of a, 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 a wave of rage that took place over the synagogue. And, and again, a few minutes before, they're marveling at his gracious words. Now they're ready to kill him. Because why? He brought up the G word. He brought up the Gentile word. That was the, you know, there, there was such a, a, it was such a trigger to even mention, you know, Gentile because, you know, because of what the, the, the nation of Israel had gone through, uh, the oppression uh, by other nations and so forth. So there was, you know, uh, certainly not in everybody, but there was a sort of a cultural kind of a, you know, rejection of Gentile, you know, the Gentile world, Gentile people. And, and there in many lives, there was simply a, a hatred uh, that was toward them. So she's got two strikes uh, against her in that sense. But in reality, you know, Jesus, as the Lord, you know, what he sees is something different. His perspective is always different than ours. That's why it's so important, you know, that we get the mind of Christ, that we get that divine perspective. Because a lot of times we don't have it. You know, a lot of times when we see people, they bug us, they get under our skin. You know, it's like, leave us alone, you know, kind of a thing. You know, we're no different than the disciples, right? And we find them, you know, that kind of sentiment in them at this particular time. But, of course, the Lord's perspective is so much different. And what he sees is a brokenhearted mother coming to him. And, of course, he knows, you know, he knows all things. And so uh, he sees the situation for really what it is. And so here's what she says. She cries out to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is severely demon-possessed. What I like about this here is she accurately, you know, identifies the problem and the solution. Uh, you know, basically the solution, he's the solution. Uh, but she sees the problem here, and I think it's important too, you know, whenever the Lord's, you know, working in our life in some kind of way when, you know, when we have issues, when we have problems, that we identify the solution in an honest way. Because if we're not willing to identify the situations, you know, that are taking place, you know, in, in our lives or in those that are needy around us, we're not going to bring them to him in prayer because we're not going to see the need. That there has to be, you know, a, a, a honesty. Uh, and I think first and foremost, that begins, you know, right here. Uh, I think sometimes, you know, the, you know parents... Uh, um, I, I've seen this kind of sentiment, you know, uh, in churches. You know, the kids, the family, the, some of the children and the family are an absolute mess. But we don't want to tell anybody to pray because it embarrasses us. Baloney! Yeah. We need to get as many people praying as possible. Amen? And I think we need to just look at the situation for what it is and honestly realize that we need God's intervention. And, and, and until there's an honesty in our own life, maybe first and foremost about our, sit, our, sit, our own situation, ourself, that we're not going to be able to be honest about anybody else around us or any other need around us. And so interestingly here, she sees, she's honest about this. She's, she's saying, my, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. Because you know what? If we don't see you know, our need and Jesus as the solution, we're not going to come to Jesus. That's why people don't come to Jesus. That's why people don't pray. We need to see this situation for really what it is. I was watching a 48 hours thing last night, and it was a story about a Christian family. It was heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. Um, and, and, and you could tell that uh, it, it was a Christian family. And uh, the, the husband there was even talking about reading his Bible 
And uh, one of the problems that they, that they had that wasn't obviously going away, and one that he openly admitted when he was being interviewed, was his, his deep um, addiction to pornography. And, and as one thing led to the other, eventually he murdered his wife and daughter. You know, for the child of God, for you and me, when, when we have issues that need to be dealt with, we need to take them to the cross. We, we need to get to the Lord. And, and, and if we're, we're struggling with it and it's beyond us, we need to get together with other saints and begin to pray with them. We need to get help. We need to get counsel. And a lot of times what keeps us from that is pride, this fierce pride that we have. I mean, God is so willing and ready and able to help us. But we have to come with him. We have to honestly evaluate the situation, identify it for what it is, and begin to come to him in prayer. And, in, and if we're not getting victory in our individual life, we need to, we need to come to others and we need to, get, we need to get help. We need to get others praying with us and praying for us. And so here basically she comes. And, 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 and the thing is, she, as she responds to the Lord, she says, Oh, Lord, son of David, messianic title. Now, now, she believes that he's the answer. He's the solution. And I kind of wonder, too, about this Syrophoenician woman, this Gentile. I'll bet you her Bible was about one verse long. And what I'm saying is, I bet you she didn't know a whole lot about the Bible and about Messiah. But isn't it interesting that faith comes by simply hearing truth? Isn't that amazing? And I love that because you know what? Throughout the history of the world, many people cannot read. And so God makes it so simple. Faith comes by hearing. <laughs> and, and, and no doubt she had heard something. Now, the Jews had been, you know, for hundreds of years waiting for Messiah. But no doubt when the Lord was, was in his messianic ministry, I, I no doubt that the, 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 the news of that went far and wide. And I don't know what she heard. But, but there's, something, there's something about a mustard seed of faith that it can come sometimes from just a, a snippet of truth. And what is interesting is I compared this woman who had a, a, a very, any, very limited, if any, you know, education or whatever, but just a, a little bit of truth about Jesus. And here are all the biblical scholars back in Jerusalem. They had all the Old Testament scripture. They, they had supposedly been waiting, you know, for the just one, for the Messiah, and yet to miss it. And here is somebody that's really on the periphery. Oh, Lord, son of David. But he answered her not a word. Have you ever prayed and asked for God's intervention? Well, you know what I'm talking about. You know how she feels. Sometimes it just seems like that, doesn't it? The heavens are brass. You know, where's God? At one time or another, you're going to feel like that if you haven't felt like that already, okay? 
you're going to come to that point. At some point, you're going to kind of be discouraged, wondering about where the Lord is. He answered not a word, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. You know, on top of it, the apostolic verdict is get rid of her. <laughs> Don't you love the apostles? I mean, God just brings ministry right there, face to face. Get rid of her. I wonder, was it her gender? Was it her ethnicity? Or was it both? It probably was both. Send her away, for she cries out after us. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing. Whether it's humanity or religious people, if they simply do not know grace, how harsh they can be. That's why we need to know grace. We, we need to know, we need to experience and know the grace of God in our lives. And, and if, you t if you tend to find yourself being just sort of short and curt and harsh with people, you, you need to be praying, Lord, open my eyes that I can understand grace. Because God, he so wonderfully, graciously deals with us. That's why it's important to know the word of God. What's that uh, verse? <laughs> I, I've referred to it many different times. You know, sometimes to remember a verse, you've got to get it started. Once you get it started, it's kind of like pushing a car. You know, once you get it started, it kind of rolls pretty easily. Uh, he has not dealt with us uh, according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. How true that is. You know, sometimes we deal with people harshly. You know, they do, you know something and man you know you jump right on their case and, and 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 whether we do that or not we've had that happen to us have we had that happen to us at least one time or another through life and probably more than one time or another probably a series of times where people just sort of jump on our case Have you ever had a boss that just simply doesn't like you or a manager or somebody over you and and it's almost kind of an insufferable you know kind of relationship but these are just ordinary men They have not apprehended grace yet. That, that's going to happen for them. And sometimes it takes a long time, you know, for us. That's what I love about Jesus. He came in grace and truth. And I think it's in John chapter 1, John's gospel. You know, grace upon grace. Oh, Lord, help me. Help us to apprehend, Lord, your, your, your mercies, your favor, your grace, your love, your compassion. You know, all those things are so important. People... You know, um, you know, people get hard, but they get hard because they've been wounded so much. And so there's, you know, the walls are up. And, and right away, interacting with folks, sometimes we sense the wall, you know, the blowback and that sort of thing. But it's only because they're hurting. They need grace. They need compassion. They, they need to know the love of Christ. Now, he speaks here in verse uh, uh, 24. This is a priority truth, that this is not a prejudicial opinion that he has, you know, toward her as a Gentile or as a woman. This is a priority truth. And he answered, he said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, I think he said it with empathy and compassion. I, I'm certain of that because a lot of times we don't get the tone. <laughs> you ever notice sometimes the tone makes all the difference? 
Some, sometimes somebody can speak truth, but it, it's spoken harshly. You ever heard? Of, you ever see a Christian do that? Speak the truth harshly, and it just tends to harden people. But I believe he spoke it with just love, compassion, consideration. But here's the truth of what Jesus was saying. Salvation and redemption was to the Jew first. It was for Israel. You know, Paul, uh, over in uh, Romans chapter 9, he's speaking about the privileges that the Jew had or the, the Israelite had, and he says this. He says, to whom pertained the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, the promises. That's in Romans 9, 4. The tremendous privileges that, that the Israelite had. And the gospel was first and foremost to them. Now, the, the, the leadership would eventually, they were, and would eventually be in a place of rejection. But even remember early on, when, when the uh, early Jewish Christians would go to Europe and Asia, they would go to synagogues. And, and at one point, Paul says, okay, we, we turn, you know, we turn from you, you've rejected the gospel, we turn to the Gentiles. And, and since that time, primarily, um, the majority that have been saved, obviously, has been uh, the Gentiles. But at this particular time, it was so true, the priority truth, the gospel came for the Jew. You see, if the Jewish nation would have accepted Jesus Christ's ministry, they would have gone right into the kingdom. Millennial kingdom. That's what would have taken place right then. Of course, God had another plan. God had another purpose. Little did they know that there was going to be this 2,000-year window where the gospel would go completely around the world. But it's coming back to Jerusalem, folks. Coming back. And I think it's almost time when you look at what's going on around the world. Isn't it amazing that just the simple moving of our embassy to Jerusalem has created a stir around the world, a consternation and anger? Because Israel is God's timepiece. And he's soon coming back. And it's going to be some tough times for them before, before that happens. But um, I believe that we are very, very close. So when he says this to her, I'm not sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You know, I guess that's the end of it. Messiah has spoken, right? Maybe a lot of people would think that. You know, what, what more can be done? The Lord has spoken. Now look at what she does. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Isn't there something so beautiful and precious and pure about worship and about trusting Jesus? And that's what she's doing. The thought of walking away has never entered her mind. 
I, I think she's just going to camp out at his feet. And, and that's, that's, that's faith. Faith says, you're the only one that can help me. <laughs> and oh, how that touches the heart of our, of our Lord. Lord, you're the only one. Lord, nobody can do anything. And I think, you know what? When you and I pray like that, there will be answers. I used to have a friend, uh, a pastor friend, years ago. I haven't seen him in a long time. And uh, he would tell me, you know what my, my deepest prayer is? Lord, help me. How true it is. Lord, help me. Lord, help us. And you know, when I look at this verse too, I think this, here's one of the greatest mysteries of faith. Because she is not asking anything for herself. She's asking for another person. And, and what's amazing about that is, when this whole matter of intercession, that God honors your asking, my asking in faith, and blesses another person's life. I think it's so important, I, I, you know, the principle that we see here, it's so important for us to get our brain around and understand and take hold of, because if we don't, we will not pray for people. And God honors the faithful prayers of his people for other people. There was a day when you and I were unsaved. And somebody was praying for us. To my knowledge, one of the first people I know praying for me is a Lebanese Christian. He, he worked in the dental lab. His name was Kamal Haddad. Pretty Arabic name, isn't it? But he knew the Lord. He one time took me up in an airplane, did a barrel roll. I guess maybe he was hoping that I would, you know, repent and get saved up there because I wasn't yet. I almost did because I don't like heights. But after I got saved, Cam told me, he says, well, me and my friends were praying for you. I said, thank you. Now, verse 26, this is the third time he answers her. He said, it is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the little dogs or the puppies. Now, how would you handle that? Yes, he's implying you're a little puppy. No, well, little puppies are cute and adorable. Everybody wants a little puppy, right? But so often the Gentiles are referred to as dogs. Dogs just living, living the dog life, living on trash and all those sorts of things. But the thing I like about faith here that you see here, faith is not offended or put off. Like I said, she's not going to walk away. What gets offended in us is pride. That's what walks away, pride. You know, uh, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. 
She has heard him speak. And even in the little that he has said, that her faith takes hold of something he says. And, and we see that working out here. And the other thing about her faith, too, is her faith, as, 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 as Galatians 5, I think it's 5, 6, says, faith operates or works through love. That's why a lot of times when you see faith by itself, it can be kind of cold. Remember Paul in 1 Corinthians 13? He said, you can have faith to move mountains, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. So, so faith is, 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 yes, faith is very important, but it has to work in tandem with love. That's why you see at the end of chapter 13 of Corinthians, uh, the, the three abiding qualities he speaks about, what faith, hope, and love. And so often you see them together, working together. Faith and love need to work together. And that's what we see working here in this particular woman. Now look at verse, uh, verse uh, 27. She says, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Man, it's amazing how she took, that, she took that and found meaning in that. Okay, I'm a little dog. And, and the thing about this, you know what? There's no debate with this word. She's in total agreement. You know what she's saying, basically? She's saying, whatever you say I am, I am. I'm good with that, Lord. Just save my daughter. I think a lot of people today, they want to argue what the Bible says about human nature. You ever get this argument when you share somebody this with the gospel? Well, I'm not a sinner. We're, we're nice people. We're nice people. We're wonderful people. Don't call us sinners. We're respectable. And you know right there, <laughs> you're not going to get the gospel into that person. You know, it's interesting. Jesus said this, healthy people don't need a doctor, but the sick do. And it was a parable. It was parabolic. And what he was basically saying, applying it spiritually. You know, the people that think they're healthy, they don't need a doctor. But when somebody's sick, what are they going to do? You're going to go to a doctor because you realize your condition, your situation. And it's when we realize the need in our life spiritually, we go to Jesus. Because he's the doctor, he's the great physician. I'll tell you, once you know Jesus, you can't help but to bring everything to Jesus. To bring everything and everybody and every situation. Because you know he can make a difference. But, but you know, the proud person, the, the person who thinks he doesn't need God, to, you know, he thinks he's spiritually healthy. I go to church. <laughs> you know, I give to the community chest. I, I do all those things. Uh, Ravi Zacharias was sharing yesterday in one of his messages that he one time he once he spoke with to a Muslim man, and uh, and basically, uh, you know, Islam, like many of the false religions, are based on good works and the good things you do. And he was saying how this man, thinking he was doing God a service 
would not go to the nearest mosque near him. He would go to the furthest one away. And he would count his steps, thinking that each step was going to give him a point with God. Isn't it wonderful to have the free gift of salvation? And you can't work for it. We just take our hand and we say, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blessed gift. Now, this is his fourth and final answer as we come to verse 28. And Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And it's, you know, it's, 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 it's beyond our imagination. Because it seemed like for sure in this fourth answer, because he's put her off. But I think he was just testing her faith. Don't be put off by circumstances or what you perceive as God not answering your prayer. I think sometimes the Lord just wants to see if we're really going to continue to pray. And, and, and I've said this to, to, to folks many different times. Listen, if you have shared your faith with somebody and they, and they have responded to that, don't stop praying for them. By golly, because the devil's going to come in there and, and flood them with all kinds of temptations and distractions and everything else. One of the things that uh, happened to Margie and I when we first got saved, you know, we were, we were in a good church, but it's interesting how many cults showed up at our house and in our lives. Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons at our house. We'd be in the park, in Kershaw Park in Canandaigua. The Way, remember the Way cult? That, that was pretty, pretty big back then. I, don't know, I think it's kind of pretty much uh, fallen out of uh, you know, favor. But um, everywhere we turned, it seemed like you know, there was this, you know, the devil was just trying to pull us away from the truth and from the Lord. So, so you need to be praying for someone if, if you know, that they're, they're big, beginning to respond. But looking at Psalm 145, it says here, the Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. That's Psalm 145, uh, 17 through 19. And that's why when you call upon the Lord, I'll show you favor. He hears our cries. What really strikes me about this, his, excuse me, his statement, that is of great faith. It's only spoken of twice in the New Testament. Once of a Roman soldier, and here we find of a pleading mother. But both of them, interestingly, are foreigners. They're both Gentiles. And he marveled at the fact that they exhibited great faith. Two different times. A woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. 
and her daughter was healed from that very hour. You know, the Bible tells us faith is a gift of God. It is, isn't it? It's a gift that, that, uh, that, that we are given. The ability to trust him, the ability to believe him. You know, her, it's interesting when you look at her faith. Her faith said this, I'll take any scrap you want to give. I'll settle, settle for any crumb you want to throw my way. That was her faith. Whatever you want to do, Lord, there's no debate. I am, what, I, am, I am what you say I am. But whatever little crumb and blessing that you want to throw my way. You know, Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, faith is the reality of what is hoped for. That, that's a paraphrase. Faith is the reality of what is hoped for. And you know, in this situation, her faith becomes a reality. And faith becomes a reality because of who we put our faith in. It's not the subject of our faith. The subject of the, of the, of the situation was her daughter. It's the object of faith. You know, sometimes you hear some of these faith teachers, and it's almost like they have faith in their faith. Our faith is in him. It's in the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the amazing, miraculous things is God will honor your faith and touch that life. That's powerful. That's amazingly powerful. That tells you and me that when you and I pray and intercede, that God will work in that situation. And over the years, I've watched him heal. I've watched him restore marriages. I've watched him give, him, give, give barren women children. I've watched him deliver young people from drugs. I've seen a host of, of, of so many things that when God's people began to just get together and pray and trust God. See, he's a miracle-working God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And a wonderful story like this can be your story and my story. If we'll ask him, we have not because we ask not. In conclusion, on this Mother's Day, this is what motherhood brings to the table. Because it is a diminished role and responsibility in our culture and in our society. In God's eyes, motherhood is one of the great roles and responsibilities of all history. She is the conduit of all new life. Abortion is the world's and the devil's alternative. She's the guardian and protector of her little ones. I was reading a story about John Piper. His, he was telling a story about his mother in, uh, in his blog. I was reading that last night. He was talking about his father was an evangelist, and he was, he was away two-thirds of the year. 
And he talked about his mother and just the, the impact and influence of a godly mother because the father couldn't be there. He was an evangelist. And, and it's typical, I think, of, of basically you know, manhood or fatherhood. We've got to work eight hours a day. And, and you get home and you're just, you know, there's not a whole lot left. But how important that role of a mother is being there. She's a guardian. She's a protector of her children. She's the very first teacher of her children and the one who makes the greatest impression upon her. I think it's sad today where many moms, because of the cultural pressure, the economic pressure, kind of abdicate and have to farm out the role of motherhood to somebody else. Some moms have to. But some don't. Her love and nurturing shape their personality and also that gives them a sense of confidence and security. I think some of the crazy things we see going on in our culture and society is because the fabric of the family has fallen apart. People don't raise their, home, their families with a Judeo-Christian ethic as they did before, which is a biblical ethic. And I think you and I, in our families, that we have an opportunity, I think, to raise our children in a godly way, not that we're ever perfect, but to make a difference and to present an example to our culture. Until the Lord comes. She also helps them early establish their gender identity. And it's a big problem in our society. Helps to, she helps them to establish a gender identity and just a sense of security in their life. And finally, her instruction gives, helps guide the formation of cultural standards that influences a future generation. Who would ever believe that a mother's influence would be so great? So we appreciate you moms. Much to be said. Father, we, we do thank you so much for godly womanhood, motherhood, What a blessing it's been to many nations throughout history. And Lord, we pray, we pray that you would help, Lord, young moms to make a difference, to realize, Lord, the tremendous role, responsibility that she has. Just as we see in the, the Bible story today, how mom, just like so many moms, they go to bat. They go to bat for their little one, for their young one. There's many a mother who would give her life for her children. And we thank you, Lord. That's Christ-like. And so, Lord, we, we ask you to bless, bless our moms, the mothers in this church, the mothers in this nation, Lord. How, Father, 
we realize that we're, Lord, we're at a very difficult time in our history, in church history. We don't know how much time is left. But Lord, we pray that, Lord, you would bless the families of this church and the families of your church at large. Lord, come against the spirit of divorce, the selfishness, and all the other things that creep, Lord, into the heart, into the life. And so, Father, we want to just thank you for grace. Thank you, Lord, that we have your word to have direction, to have wisdom, to have guidance. And Lord, I pray that as we have opportunities, many of us, maybe not all of us, but those of us today, Lord, that have an opportunity to call our mom or maybe be with her, Lord, may you just bless. Lord, let our words be gracious. Let, let them be kind. And Lord, I pray for those moms, Lord, that are, are wounded or hurting. Lord, I pray for the comfort of the blessed Holy Spirit. Lord, you know all things. And so thank you, Lord. Thank you for your great heart. Thank you, Lord, you do all things well. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.